Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Hebrews 7. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginnings of days or end of life resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi, who become priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belongs to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regards to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there have been many other priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Jesus always intercedes for us. I wonder what Jesus is praying for me right now. I wonder what he's praying for you. That's quite something, isn't it? To think that the big man of space, time and everything else is spending his days uttering words of petition for us. It's deeply humbling. It's hugely inspiring. When you're peeved, he's praying for you. 
When you're intimidated, he's interceding. When you're wayward, he's wrestling for you in prayer. What a love. I mean, what a faithfulness. What a commitment to you and to me that Jesus, the king of creation, refuses to be passive as we tumble and trip through life. He prays for us. He goes on praying and fighting in the heavenly realms. Jesus didn't stop fighting for our salvation after the cross. He's still grappling for it right now. He is working in prayer that we might receive grace and goodness and the fullness of gladness in God. Reading that this morning makes me love him again. Reading that gives me hope in him again. And so I want to see those prayers, Jesus's prayers, fulfilled in me, no matter what they are. If the one through whom all things were made has got some desires for me, then they must be pretty raspingly beautiful. I want to lean on those prayers and let them take my weight. I want them to carry me into the banquet hall of the kingdom. Yes, Lord God, whatever you want from me, I want it to. Your will be done, O God. Let me hold on to your hope and see all of Jesus's prayers come true in my life. Here's a question for reflection. What is Jesus praying for you right now? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.